Hi everyone, and welcome to the Life in the Wildlands podcast, where we discuss exciting opportunities with outdoor careers, share professional experiences, and provide advice to overcome the hurdles to federal employment. And I am your host, Becky Schufelt, and today we have Tracy Anderson, a retired district ranger on the Black Hills National Forests in South Dakota, and she's going to share how she started her career working in the Forest Service. So thank you for joining us today, Tracy. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. So go ahead and tell us more about yourself. Well, first of all, Becky, uh, thank you for reaching out. Um, I think it's uh, important that we try to uh, reach um, reach individuals and people to uh, to hopefully uh, want a career in the natural resources fields, whether it's the Forest Service or any of our other public lands. Uh, state or private or even the Forest Service. So currently, uh, I'm living in the state of Maine. Um, I grew up in New Hampshire and moved back here to be closer to my family. It, it's an exciting time having grown up in the, the Northeast, being back here during foliage. I started my career here in the Northeast. And as you said, my, my last title that I had when I was working for the Forest Service was as a uh, district ranger on the Black Hills National Forest. And you mentioned the the fall colors out in your way. And it's just, I love fall. It's a beautiful place. And I know the colors here in Montana with the contrast with the mountain landscapes is just amazing, but it's nothing like out there in the East. So also I lived in Montana for a while. So I absolutely agree with you that while Montana has the big kind of in your face showy mountains and when the Aspen are, you know, at their peak, they're very glorious against that backdrop. Um, having grown up here, like I said, the, the colors of the variety of colors through all the different um, hardwoods are just spectacular. And this year, um, I was thinking it wouldn't be quite so uh, vibrant, but I was way wrong, and um, the colors have just been spectacular. Uh, we, we went over to Vermont for a few days. Uh, it was great over there, and um, here at the house, it's been um, also beautiful. So it just reminds me, again, you know, having grown up in this, uh, this area, while it's nice throughout the country, all the diversity that we get in our visual landscapes. So... I, I fully agree with you, and I need to make a trip out to Maine at some point. I've never been out there or on the East Coast when the fall colors are changing. It's one of the to-do things that it's on my list before I die, and it'll happen someday. But what I'm interested in is, how did you get your start with your career at the Forest Service? Well, it's kind of interesting. So I... Um... So I grew up here in, uh, in New Hampshire, in Conway, New Hampshire. The White Mountain National Forest uh, is, was in our background, our, you know, our backyard. And so in high school, I learned about this program called the Youth Conservation Corps, YCC. And I applied for a job with them and was hired for the summer. And I worked on the Saco Ranger District out of Conway, New Hampshire for the White Mountain for that summer. And I'm going to have to say it, you know, it pretty much got me hooked. Oh, no. And can you explain to our audience what the YCC program is? Yes, it's a, it's a youth program. Does, it's actually um, through the Department of Labor. It's a way to uh, introduce young people to uh, natural resource management, or at least it was when I was there. Uh, it's not only do you, you, you know, go to work and you get paid to do 
you know, work, but they also had an education component to it. And I hate to tell you, I don't remember now the third part. It was a three part where you did work, education, and and some other um, some other facet of it. And I, I just can't remember. Um, so what what I did when we were working for the YCC is we we did a lot of work on the um, the various recreation um, parts of the district. So we would go and do trail work and we would um, do cleaning of campgrounds and we helped work on restoring the Jim Liberty Cavern on the top of Mount Shakorua. And, uh, you know, we rerouted some trails. And so you did things like that. And then some of the education stuff is we went down to the seacoast and learned about, you know, just, you know, the different ecosystem down along the coast. And we went and talked about seabirds and we went over to the Holderness um, Education Center and, you know, they, they walked us through just a variety of different, you know, education topics. And so it really was a good way to introduce young people to working in the natural resources and then also to uh, expand our horizons. It's not just about, you know, going and cleaning toilets, but it's also other things like wildlife and timber management and, you know, things like that. New Hampshire, we didn't really talk much about fire, but it is that is a big component also with uh, natural resource management. Wow. So you said that that is the experience that got you hooked. But what exactly got you hooked and what other experiences um, within your career in the outdoors just kept you coming for more and wanting to pursue a solid career in this field? So even prior to YCC, you know, it's always the, the adage is it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And so uh, growing up here, um, I had a very instrumental teacher. His name was Mr. Charles Knox. He taught uh, the eighth grade, um, some curriculum in eighth grade, and he was able to get permission to take uh, a number of students camping. We went out hiking and we camped overnight and just talked about you know, just the outdoors. And that's really kind of what got me interested. And besides, my mom was very, uh, well, we didn't get out and do a lot of camping and hiking. She really did instill in us the desire to want to, you know, just take care of things like, you know, we had to mow lawns and rake leaves, and then we would get a reward and be able to go down to the river and we'd, you know, pick up rocks and look at, you know, the fish in the river, and then she might take us hiking. And so, you know, so two two important people in my life, my mother and then Mr. Knox, try to kind of led me to that path to say, I'll go work for YCC. Well, it didn't pay a lot of money and it was minimum wage in the 70s. It's still um, invaluable. I, you know, we got to work with other students and it really helped uh, cement that relationship of, you know, you get a lot of work done when you work together. Yeah, it's interesting that I had no idea, I guess, that the YCC program has been going for that long. I mean, I'm, I'm very uh, familiar with it. And we've, you know, in my time as a recreation program manager, have hired several YCC people. And they've been like some of the most amazing workers because they either, you know, it's the program is not for you or it fully is for you. <laughs> and you realize all the great things about working in the outdoors and all the possibilities. And so what I think is great about that program is it really helps expose the younger folks to the different capacities and, and different jobs in the federal land management agencies. And 
I know that you know that it's, you know, obviously you've got into it because you knew it was important work. So why do you feel that the work that you have done throughout your career contributes to the overall public land management stewardship? So I have, um, have had a very interesting career. I'd say my primary focus has been uh, forest management. I went to college um, and graduated from Oregon State University in um, Oregon, and it was forest management. And so it was heavy to timber management. But I also probably as equally worked as an environmental planner. And so with being an environmental planner, you work with all the other disciplines um, throughout the agency, such as wildlife biologists and fisheries biologists and recreation specialists in timber and you know fire. And so you, you're working with all these other specialists to get a project done. And you have to uh, do this analysis because it's, uh, it's the law called the National Environmental Policy Act law. So you do this, you work together to to come up with um, alternatives on how to, how you might want to look at managing a piece of ground, and then then once the decision gets signed, then the then it's implemented. So it could be as simple as uh, you want to do a timber sale, and so how are you going to go about doing that timber sale, and where are you going to do it, and you you get all this input. So working with all of those individuals, I found very rewarding. You get to be maybe not a specialist in all of those fields, but you sure are pretty well rounded on all of those different ways of looking at things and helping piece together how you're going to get a project implemented. And so for me, looking at that, so starting, you know, really young and kind of doing that broad base, most of my career, while focused on a few things, ended up culminating as a district ranger, which really is exactly what I was talking about is I really don't need to be a specialist in all those, but I have to have a really good general knowledge of how things all work together to make those critical decisions on implementing projects and decisions. Absolutely. And I know, you know, being in a recreation program manager, it was kind of the same where we had to really understand the roles in the National Environmental Policy Act. And it was shocking to me when I first got into the whole planning realm of, okay, this is all what needs to go into it. There needs to be input from all kinds of specialists with all the different disciplines, like you said, and it's super important to understand those roles and understand how they play in more um, and better sustainable land management with the projects that do get proposed. And so I feel that position is extremely important because what you are doing is facilitating all these people, um, different specialists to pull together and do the environmental assessments that they need to provide to get a project implemented to make sure that the agency is implementing projects in the most sustainable way uh, for our public lands and making sure that we're being responsible with what we're doing out on the lands. Absolutely. And, you know, and while we, we would like to think that everybody's going to sit down and agree with how you're coming about, that's why you have alternatives and that's why you have meetings and you get to talk about the, the differences. And, and you really are interested in um, if I do this, what's it going to do to the ground? And, and sometimes it's about compromises is that you need to say, yep, we are going to cause some disturbance what can we do to, to mitigate those disturbances? And, 
And there is a whole host of federal laws and state laws that we're required to follow. And so that's why you have specialists that understand those particular facets of their specialty that can help bring the team together. And then ultimately the decision maker um, who has to make that, that choice and decide, okay, this is what we're going to implement. And the public also gets to um, have, a, have a say. And when we're doing this analysis, we're asking them along to, you know, what are your thoughts? Now, do they get, they don't get to make the decision, but they can have input on how the decision ultimately gets crafted. Yes. And I think the process is very fascinating in going through several projects myself over my career and just getting that public input and making sure that there's buy-in from the local communities that are going to be affected. And it's just a very complicated orchestra that your position as a planner has to kind of figure out and coordinate with all these different people to get to a document that the decision maker is going to sign off on. And so I think it's it's an incredible job. It's, I think, one of the most important jobs actually out there in the agency. I mean, not to discredit any of the other jobs, every job is important, but that job in particular, I think, I mean, I don't think people realize what it goes into coordinating all of this just to implement a project from the first initial stages of planning to the end, actually getting the project implemented. But do you, I'm just curious. So, I know you've had a really long, fulfilling career. I mean, you were in the Forest Service for your entire career before you retired. But do you have any experiences that really inspired you that stick out in your mind? Um, so uh, I think there's a, a couple of jobs that I had that really, that I take a lot of pride in. One was I worked for the Hiawatha National Forest from 2007 to 2013 as they had the forest divided in half, so west side, east side. And I was the west side timber management assistant that I, I managed the timber program for. Basically, I worked for two different district rangers at the time. And when I, when I came there, um, the, the district had, they had struggled through getting um, their environmental analysis done under the previous TMA. And that wasn't, it's no fault of his, but they struggled to get it done. And they, they managed to finally get through getting um, decisions made so they could start implementing them. And then they had a, uh, a mountain pine beetle outbreak. So they were, we were, when I got there, we were trying to get that year's timber target met. And the forest leadership team tasked the two TMAs for us not only to meet our timber target in the coming years, but they also wanted us to work towards getting additional timber volume on the shelf so that if it came down to it, if we needed to pull some volume forward to help out the region or each other, we could. And so one of my jobs that I feel very um, proud about is in that, in that six years I was there, six and a half years, uh, not only did we always meet our timber target for the forest in the district, but we also were able to get a, a year and a half on the shelf. And the and the forest, we were able to get two regional recognition awards during that time for our timber program, timber in NEPA. So, you know, I, I'm very proud of that. That's, uh, it's not, and it wasn't just me. It's, I had a really good team of um, my timber staff. And then also we had a good mm -hmm. team getting, getting the um, environmental analysis done 
uh, because at that time we also ran into the beach park disease and we had to quickly stop and, and try to pivot and get that done. And so, yeah, it's everybody in the same boat rowing together. So when you say that you were trying to get this timber analysis done to put on the shelf, what is the significance of that when it comes to sustainable land management? So for the sustainable land management, we still have to meet the, uh, it's the National Forest Management Act. And so what that said is it required us, the Forest Service, to uh, to have land management plans. And so when we were looking at our environmental analysis, we had to make sure that we were following the, the forest plan at the time, which tells you what you had for, um, like for timber, for instance, how much, what we were looking at that we could cut per year to stay sustainable. And so not only by putting out our timber program for each year, we were still sustainable that way, but what the volume on the shelf did is that, so for instance, this is uh, 2022, what we would have done is going into 23, which started last, started at the beginning of October of 22, that's fiscal 23, we would have already had the 23 program already marked and ready to go. And then we would be able to have, when I talk about a sustainable program, we would have known when those sales were going to be sold across the fiscal year, which not only helps the, the Forest Service and the district, but it also helped our timber program uh, industry for them for, to know this is what we're going to have for sales coming up. This is when these sales are coming, when we're planning to sell these sales so that they can also plan ahead for, for when they're going to bid on those and, and hopefully purchase them. So, you know, that's, that's not only sustainable for the forest, but it's also sustainable for our partners to try to help that. I mean, that helps them as well, as opposed to when I first got there being hand to mouth. I mean, it's like we're marking and selling the sales as soon as we get them prepped. And that's just a little more, it's a little faster pace for us and then also for the timber industry. And even our environmental groups, yeah. So that sounds like a very proactive approach. And I commend you for that because I think the agency sometimes can be really reactive, but I've always been a promoter and supporter of trying to find ways to be proactive. So I think that's a great accomplishment, Tracy. Well, I, I was pretty I was pretty proud of that. And like I said, it, it wasn't just me. It was the it was really the whole Hiawatha that that had that mentality. And at the time, it was our leadership team that gave us that direction and then supported us by by getting us the funding to make that happen. And so the other thing um, that that uh, our district did or our zone did is we um, also we weren't really embracing stewardship um, at that time because we were being pretty successful with our other programs and, and we were being asked, you need to do stewardship sales. And so we, we were the first district on the, um, on the forest to do two stewardship sales. They're not as large as some of the ones are, that are coming out of all the other forests now, but at the time, you know, it, it was, it was, we were putting our toe in the water and trying to get industry to also buy in with us. So, you know, so there were a number of accomplishments that we did then. Well, you just recently were the award winner of our Life in the Wildlands photo contest, and it's a picture of you on a horse in full Forest Service uniform. And so I just want to hear a little bit more, I guess, on what was going on in that picture. 
so thanks for making me chuckle a little bit. It's a good memory. So for your listeners who do not necessarily know the history of the Forest Service uh, District Ranger, um, the, the title came about is you got a job if you owned a horse and had a gun and could go out and do some forest management. And so I was fortunate on the Black Hills that my district, we, we had um, three horses that were managed by my range staff. We were the only district that had horses. And so I kept uh, really bugging my range staff saying, okay, we need to get out. I want to get out on a horse as a district ranger before I retire, because that really is the whole iconic reason that we had district rangers. They were given a piece of ground, they would go ride their horses, they would manage it and, and do all kinds history. of different work. Yeah, that's, that's the if history you look it up, that's agency. <laughs> it is. And so I so I I hounded Justin McConkey to to take me out. And so it just happened that the forest had acquired about 350 acres of land through purchasing just it was actually just outside the town of Custer and it was there was a whole host of um, criteria for for the forest to, or the forest service to purchase land and one of them is you have to have you know it contributes to wetlands and and wildlife habitat and maybe have some historic significance and and things like that and so this piece of property had been purchased and um, after it was purchased, we we hadn't really made any decisions on, okay, now what? What does that mean? What we, how are we going to manage that piece of ground? It still has to fit into the forest plan. And when it was purchased, it was giving a, a, a designation for how we were supposed to manage it, but we still hadn't done really anything with it. And so because it, it was a very beautiful piece of ground with a lot of wetlands, it did not have a lot of roads through it. So we went out on horseback and we we're riding through this area to take a look at, do we want to keep it relatively non-motorized, meaning we could put some trails in there, make a trailhead. The ground had been previously under a grazing permit uh, with the, the people who owned it. And then we were looking at, are we going to allow grazing to continue there? And believe me, that was um, a little controversial on the district. And then there were also some old um, historic buildings out there from the when it was originally settled. Those are pretty fun to look at. So that's some of the things that when we were out riding, that we were looking at at all those different things of, okay, what are we going to do with this piece of ground? And, um, and so we were kind of getting a first pre-look at, okay, if we're going to do any kind of activities out there, what do I need to know as a district ranger that I may need to make decisions on? That's what that day was about. And as you can tell in the photo, it was an absolutely beautiful day. And one of the places as we went up and we're looking at some of the ground out there, we were able to catch a view of the Crazy Horse Memorial, you know, which is just oh, wow. outside also the town, the town of Custer too. So, you know, that was kind of a little bonus. So those are those bonus days that the ranger gets yes. instead of sitting in front of a computer all day long. I am getting paid for this. Like that's, <laughs> you know, those are the kind of days where, you know, that's what I'm trying to share with folks is that, you know, it's. There's no substitute for it. There's no other jobs in the world where you get to do that and get to be out in a beautiful landscape and just ride a horse or, you know, be like go rafting and hiking all in the name of the job. And as a district ranger, for you to be out in the field, I have to commend you for that because I think a lot of people get into leadership positions that 
don't get out into the field and see the ground. And I've always, you know, as a mentor to my recreation folks, I was always adamant about, okay, I know sometimes our jobs are focused mostly on the computer, the higher up you get, but it's important to get out to see what's going on on the ground, what your folks are doing and try to understand a little bit better. And I'm a very visual person. So it's important to me, you know, have those days and and don't feel guilty about it. They're really productive and you're only going to be a better manager and make better decisions because of it. Well, and the other, and like you say, Becky, the other thing by getting out on the ground and so having worked my way up, you know, a, a lot of years before I did become a district ranger. So I, you know, you kind of bank those visuals in your head when you go out. And so while sometimes I may not have been able to get out on the ground that day, if the person can describe to me what they're trying to do, I was pretty good at being able to ask those you know, those pointed questions to try to figure out, okay, if I can't get out, are they going to be able to describe it to me well enough that I can make a decision today? And if not, then I would have had to try to figure out how to get out to see it. You know, you don't want to be the cog that's slowing things down. You want to um, try to figure out how can we keep moving because Mm -hmm. really the, the public wants us to do our jobs. They really, you know, sometimes they have different opinions on what they want and they all, you know, some want us to do one thing and the others are totally the other the other direction, but still, they really want us to do something. Absolutely. I completely understand. And and I was all about improving efficiency and making sure that in trying to streamline things, um, because things can be slow at times. And, you know, we are public servants, or at least I used to be, and I guess I still am <laughs> in a way doing this. What do you wish you would have known sooner to further your career in a federal agency? And do you have any information to share with folks that want to pursue an outdoor career? So it's hard to answer that question about if I'd known something sooner, because um, my belief is it happens for where you, where you are and you make the most of it. And so I think that every, every step I took along the way helped, helped me really get to the point of making that decision to be a district ranger. Um, I never believed I would want that position. And through some um, counseling of other um, you know, supervisors, they helped me say, yes, you could do that and um, encourage me to do that. And so I think probably the most important thing, though, I would rather take the time to share is, is that we have to work with people. Managing public agencies is all about relationships and working with people. And so for me, I think that, you know, if you're, if you, and this is, I believe true for most jobs, but you really need to be flexible and you need to be tolerant of all people. And I don't mean all in the relation thinking about, you know, oh, we have to, you know, hire, you know, X, Y, Z employees. I'm just saying all people, everybody comes from a different place. And when they all land, say in South Dakota, they, they're bringing with them where they grew up in New Hampshire or they grew up in Montana or in Florida, even though, I mean, that is part of their diverse makeup on, they look at life and believe in things and along with a whole host of other, you know, ethnic background and whatnot. And so you just personally, you just need to take a breath and be tolerant. Same with our publics, you know, they're, they may be having a really, really bad day and you have no idea and they're taking it out on you. Try to have that patience. 
You don't have to take the verbal abuse if they start getting really ugly, but sometimes you might just want to just take a moment and listen because what we do is, is really important. We are very fortunate in our country to have the vast amount of public lands available to, to our generation and the future generations. And, and what we're doing today is going to impact uh, you know, your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids. And so it is really important. And so I would end on probably the most important thing that you do as a government employee is you need to have fun. You need to make sure that when you come to work, you're going to have fun and that, yep, there are days where it might not be quite so fun, but I bet you can find one thing in the day that, that makes it a little better. And it could be going out and riding on a horse. Exactly. Like I told Justin, yes. like I told Justin, the first 15 minutes was a lot of fun. Tracy, you nailed it on the head about, you know, it's, it's all about interpersonal relationships. That is 50% of all the jobs, I think. And being able to be diplomatic and trying to take in all the different compliments or complaints and, you know, all the public input that goes into things and making sure to have and maintain positive relationships with the partners and local communities is super important, no matter what job you're into. So thank you for, for sharing that because it's something I feel really strongly about myself. And, and, um, and, that, and like you said, you know, not thing. every day is roses. Sometimes it's, it's not a great day, but you know, when it, at the end of a work year, you have to look back on those days where you're out in the field and you're in a beautiful place and you're getting paid to do things like ride a horse and ride in a boat, you know, go rafting or hiking or whatever it is. Hmm. There's so, ride a snowmobile sometimes or an ATV. And, um, yeah, and that's, exactly. I think, you know, I, why I do this is because I want to see more boots on the ground. I think if people realized how great this is as a career, I mean, you'd be surprised. Exactly. And, and so while we're, we are trying to uh, hopefully get uh, encourage new people to apply to the agency, the plea will be is it is whether it's the Forest Service or the Park Service, Bureau of Land Management, but all those agencies, they're very passionate about what trying to do what's best for the ground. And in hiring new employees, you know, they're everybody, it's an arduous process, which, you know, really is probably the bane of my existence as a, as a hiring manager. Oh, and don't I know that's the truth. Well, that's all the time we have today. So thank you so much, Tracy, for sharing your story and helpful information for folks that might want to pursue an outdoor career with the Forest Service. And thank you to our audience for listening in today with us. Stay tuned for next time. For more stories about outdoor careers, subscribe to the Life in the Wildlands podcast, where I will be interviewing outdoor professionals to discover exciting opportunities in outdoor careers, share professional experiences, discuss the hurdles to federal employment, and provide advice on how to overcome these challenges. And if you're interested in outdoor jobs and don't know where to start, or if you already are a federal employee with the outdoor career that's struggling to make it to the next level in your career development, Life in the Wildlands can help you on your journey. Check out our career counseling and federal resume development services at www.lifeinthewildlands.com or call 404-444-4444.
406-848-1660.